host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy, Ryan Lambert RL. What's going on, man? I'm chilling. Going to uh, going to see Macklin Celebrini in Boston University against North Dakota tonight. It's going to be a good one. That's very exciting. Well, we'll talk more about Celebrini here in a second with one of our questions. Today, the plan is to answer your uh, mailbag questions from the listeners. We solicited them on Twitter. Got a lot of good ones. The listeners always come through with these, but it feels like they really stepped up this time. I think we got at least like 20 or 30 that I think in any typical mailbag session would qualify as good ones. So we'll see how many of them we can get through and uh, have some fun with it. Okay, here's the first one. Your pal Dan asks, curious what your outlook is on Quinton Byfield, tantalizing player, and I can't figure out why some in the industry are down on him. Uh, well, I can, I can figure out why some in the industry are down on him. Uh, he scored, uh, the 10th goal of his career last, uh, last week, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's played like a hundred plus games in the NHL. That's why people are down on it. And also I would say, uh, because they went out and got Pierre-Luc Dubois to like kind of gum up the center depth works for him. So it made people probably feel like. They don't have a lot of confidence that this guy can, you know, take that next step and we need to go out and get some extra insurance. That would be my guess. Mm-hmm. People really just want immediate gratification, right? No one wants to wait. Yeah. What is he, 21? Well, that's the crazy thing. He's 21, like, all the way through the season. I think he turns 22, like, in August or something. You, are, uh, I'm looking at his page now. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. On the great website, Elite Prospects, I'm sure. Um, and he still, as you mentioned, he was under 100 NHL games heading into this season. So while he was drafted three years ago, he obviously, through a variety of things with injuries and ailments, like didn't actually get to play that full time, right? So I think that's important to consider here in terms of his development. And people are really obsessed with this idea of like, well, he was drafted as a center, but now they have all these guys with the addition of Dubois and Deneau and Kopitar, and they re-signed extended Kopitar. So what's he going to play? And it's like, I don't know, him campaign Kopitar, even if he's playing on that wing, is a pretty awesome line. They're dominating this season. They have 56% of the shots, 57% of the chances, 60% of the goals. Like they're really good. And it doesn't matter to me what position he's technically playing because they're kind of like used, like they use him as the F1. He's the first guy to the zone. They utilize his speed to go in there and cause havoc and just kind of bear down on defensemen like a locomotive and he forces turnovers. And so it doesn't really matter. And, and, and if, if anything, He's kind of thrived as a winger this year. He's shown like he's using that frame and size finally to leverage it as an advantage for himself. And he's winning battles along the boards and creating there. So yeah, he looks really good, especially the past couple of games. I think he's really turned it on. And so it's a pretty exciting development because his team's loaded. And if he starts actually finally channeling a lot of that offensive potential, like it's just another weapon in their arsenal. Yeah, and obviously the the Kings are a team that was in need of speed over the last uh, two or three years, mm-hmm. and you know that this doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be able to to win a sprint against everybody. But this kid's enormous and fast and offensively gifted. Like, like I said, I I can see why people would be down on him coming into the year. And I, I would say that, you know, uh, he's he's answering a lot of questions, but it's only 10 or 11 games or whatever he's played so far this year. So maybe maybe you'd like to see more of him. But, you know, I, I think that if he can get to, not that points are everything, certainly, but if he can get to 40, 50 points this year, I, I, don't, I don't know that anybody's going to be looking at him and saying, oh, actually, you know what, this is a problem. Yeah, well, he's got seven and ten so far, and six of them have come in the last five games. Um, a lot of those are second assists, though. I will point that out. They are, but I really like if you if you if you watch them play, it's really coming like in the in the rhythm of like I guess their offense, right? It's For not, sure. Like, yeah, he's not like pass touching the puck in his own zone and then Kempe's carrying yeah. it down goes to the like, bench. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Like he's he's creating, especially off the wall. Like it's For really sure. kind of part of that motion offense. Uh, to your point. NHL Edge has a 98th percentile in max speed this year, 95th percentile in bursts over 20 miles per hour, which is just freakish for a guy that massive. And so totally. he's really using those skills this year. And, and that playmaking is flourishing too. Like he had a a dynamite setup for Kempe uh, last night against Ottawa, who he just like pissed a wide open net. And so um, I think the points are going to come. And 
This King team, Kings team rocks. Like, I keep talking yeah, about them, but so I think cool. it's warranted. They have 16 different goal scorers this year. Um, they lead the league in 5 on 5 scoring. Their games are averaging 7.2 goals for and against combined this year. Like They just play a really fun, fast-paced brand of hockey, and there's been a ton of goals so far uh, because their goaltending hasn't been very good and also because they have a lot of weapons. And so I don't see what there isn't a like. like if, if you're not tuning into them yet, yeah, you're really missing out. One hundred percent. I I watched a good chunk of that game against Ottawa last night. They were so fun. Yeah. Okay. Windy sixteen asks, seeing how good Jeremy Swayman has been so far for Boston this year. I remember your idea of Buffalo or another team like that offer shooting him in the summer. Did you hear anything about a potential team making a move like that? It's so weird to me that he just signed a great deal for the Bruins. Well, Windy RFAs in this league do not have a lot of leverage. And so uh, he pretty much, I mean, he wound up, I think he he got that whatever 3.45 uh, for one year from a third party arbitrator after they filed. Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about this? What do you think about Swayman? What do you think about that situation? Because obviously the Bruins this summer, this past summer were pretty, they had their hands tied financially, right? They had very little wiggle room. Uh, that's why they essentially filled out their roster with a bunch of, you know, one year league minimum deals. And they're nine zero and one this year, and a big part of that is the goaltending. And it feels like whether the option was there or not, a lot of teams around the league probably missed out or messed up by by kind of letting them get away with this again. Well, I think the other thing about that is you you do you know look everybody says this, but you got to keep in mind the cap was basically flat, and mm-hmm. so many teams are right up against it that. The, th- the thing people forget about offer sheets, I feel like, is the player has to want to sign it, right? You can't just go, well, we'll get, we'll give you $3 million, 3.45 or whatever you just said the number was. And uh, we'll, we'll give you that money, uh, but for like four years. First of all, the Bruins would happily match it. But second of all, like, why would he as, as a player want to feel like, you know what, I, I'm actually going to... Uh, I'm going to jump to Buffalo unless they absolutely blow his doors off with with an offer, which they can't. Which they, I don't think most teams in the league were in a position to do. Like Arizona could, I guess, but like I don't feel like they were going to do it. So it's tough. Yeah, that's a good point. And everything I do here is he's a big time vibes guy, and he loves the vibes in his current situation, and he just yeah. genuinely wanted to stay. Um, and like he turns to what he turns twenty five this year. I get there was a bit of skepticism still because he had what under ninety NHL games under his belt prior to entering this season, right? So it was still like relatively, I guess, unproven or fresh in terms of at this level. But I I think now we can, you know, at the risk of your know, goaltending can be very volatile and things can change very quickly at the position. He looks pretty darn good to my eye. So He's I so good, man. I think I, he's I, very good. I got. I got to say this though. How many goalies at twenty four, twenty five years old have one hundred and ninety NHL games? Under That's the true. Game? There probably are many. Yeah, I don't know the answer off the top of my head, but that uh, you know. I, and again, I, I hate to be just always going. Now, when I saw this guy in college hockey, but when I saw this guy in college hockey, you were just like, "Well, I mean, the sky's the limit for this kid." Like he was on, frankly, bad main teams for a few years. And routinely the best goalie I would see all season. So, you know, like he he's just done it. That he did it in Providence too for the for the brief stint he spent he spent there. If if I'm remembering right, and so it's just like, yep, some goalies have it, and he has it, and and it's that simple. So, you know, yeah, I, the, the Bruins would not be in the business of letting this kid walk for for nothing. No, I do think they seriously explored or at least entertained the idea of trading both him and Allmark this summer though. Like, or at least just like tried to figure out what would make sense in that regard because they had so little money to work with to actually fill out a roster. Sure. And, and so it was like, okay, if we can get a good offer here and kind of make the money work, I will at least consider it. I don't think they ever actually went that far down the line with it. And now they're in a pretty pretty good spot as well because Swayman's going to be an RFA again next summer. I think at that point, Allmark's deal will essentially be expiring. He'll be on the final year of it. And it'll only be owed like three point five million or something. So, if they do want to explore a trade of Allmark next summer, regardless of what happens this year, I think that'll become much more palatable for a lot of teams and doable. So, yeah, I mean, these are their goals against so far this season in ten games. Ryan, one, two, one, two, one, zero, four, one, two, two, and that four 
they were like less than two minutes away from leaving it with one goal against. And then Anaheim just scored three goals late, including in overtime. Yes, that's right. And so the other thing that's amazing is because of these two guys, they're essentially splitting the workload entirely down the middle right now. Yep. Like they both played five of them. Allmark is a 945 save percentage, five goal save above expected. Swayman, 954, 7.5 goal save above expected. And here's the wildest stat for you. They've combined to stop 191 of 191 shots on goal from outside the slot. They have not given up a bad goal yet this season. Can't. And, and, you know, I, I think if you look at most teams in the league and how they spend money on goaltending, who's getting better value over two years for eight and a half million dollars? It, it, it's unbelievable. Like they. They just put their goalies in such a position to succeed, and they're two really good goalies anyway. Uh, you know, I, I, I again, I would I have given Olmark the the Vets in the last year? I probably wouldn't have, but you know, he he definitely played at that level, and there's no reason to expect uh, he won't continue playing at that level when he gets to play behind McAvoy and Lindholm. Yeah. Oh, it's not a knock against him at all. He's just not the yeah. He's not the best goalie on his own team. That's yeah. I say that as Jeremy Swayman's number one fan, but um, yeah, I had Kevin Woodley on earlier this week, and he was like, he made the point of, you know, the defensive issues for Edmonton are one thing, but also it's like Campbell and Skinner, you can't necessarily rely on them to bail them out once they do make those mistakes, right? And totally. it's like, well, those guys are making seven point six billion combined. That's pretty close to the ballpark of what you just said for all Mark and Swayman. I, I think for that price, you probably should be able to at least get bailed out every once in a while. And and once in a while, sure. Yeah. When Boston does, like they haven't been quite as good defensively this year, certainly, understandably so. Those guys have bailed them out. So, um, yeah, they are uh, they are pretty darn good. Okay. MV asks, and we got a few of these. Um, someone actually included a a. a a screen grab went the extra mile of a quote from Nico Sturm last night saying, this is as bad as it gets after uh, San Jose's 10-1 loss. And, and the question was, is this in fact as bad as it gets? But uh, MV asks, has there been a team as bad as this year's Sharks team? I'm going to ask this question. I, I have no way of looking up this answer. Is there a team this late in the season that gave up as many goals in one game as they have scored all year? Can't be. I mean, we're almost a month. It's impossible through the season. Right. It's impossible. So, you know, they've scored ten goals in in ten games, and they gave up ten goals last night. This is un. And even beyond that, okay, you know, they're getting all the bad bounces at both ends of the rink. Sure, fine. Uh, I wrote I wrote about this uh, last weekend. They have. They are on pace to shatter the all situations expected goals for percentage like low light in whatever since 2007-08 like to not just beat it to shatter it a couple of teams were in like the 39 range like 39 point whatever and right now or I haven't looked this morning but as of this past weekend they were at uh like 34 percent it was unbelievable how bad these numbers were really I mean I and the crazy thing is as bad as all of those goal numbers are that you referenced, like Mackenzie Blackwood has actually been pretty good for them this yep, year. Absolutely. And if they were getting truly terrible goaltending as well, like it could be worse. I know it's it's staggering absolutely. to even even fathom that as a realistic possibility, but it really could. I mean, Mackenzie Blackwood, it's like the uh the Simpsons monkey paw scenario, right? Where he's like, All I want is to get another chance to be a starter in the NHL. And it's like, all right, well, you're going to San Jose, bud, and you're going to get starts there. And in his five and a half games, he's faced 112 shots from the slot, which is over 20 a game. I mean, it, it's just staggering to consider yeah, the types of shots they're giving up, the volume of them. And there's a bunch of other questions we got here. It's like, how many games can the Sharks realistically expect to win this season? Um, another one was like, what is it going to take for the Sharks to win a game? I mean, it's hockey, right? So as we saw, I mean, they almost won a game against the Avs this year early on where Mackenzie Blackwood had like 50 saves. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so you're going to have these nights where the goalie is just hot, the other team can't score. And I just find it impossible to believe they're going to win less than 10 games this season. But it really seems hard to come together 
like put together a blueprint or a formula for how they're actually going to win those games at this point based on the way these first 10 have gone. Yeah, I, you know, they're 10 games into the season, they have one point in the standing. Yeah. And they're lucky to have gotten it. Totally. And like you say, they'll win 10, 15 games. Like that's just hockey, you know? Um, what what do they say in baseball? Like, put yourself down for eighty wins and eighty losses, and then uh, everything else is like that's what determines how good you are. It's kind of the same thing in the NHL. You're going to win twenty games in this league. Like the worst teams imaginable, fall backwards into twenty games or twenty wins, and maybe you know shootouts, overtimes, whatever. But I, this team might be the exception to the rule, honestly. Yeah, because even like, you know, like last year's Ducks team was an abomination on so many levels, but they had like legitimate NHL talent on it still. And yeah. that's what made it frustrating. I think even that 2016-17 Avs team, which is propped up as one of the worst teams ever because their goal differential and, and point total also had like a significant amount of talent on their team compared to this Sharks club. Yeah, um, I guess that 2019-20 Red Wings team right before COVID hit and the season got stopped short had 17 wins in 71 games and like a 34 percent goal share right and i remember there was i was keeping track of this at the time there was like five coaches has gotten fired in between their wins that year and none of those coaches were their own coach like it was like right it was, it was a season for the ages and this sharks team feels so so much worse so they were but they're gonna obliterate it yeah for sure by the way i realized before people get mad it's uh you're gonna win and lose 60 games not eight mm. of course they only play 162 uh in, in major league baseball so that was me doing the math there you go well i was told there'd be no math i mean the the 90 92 93 season i was one year old at the time so i wasn't uh I don't really remember it very fondly, but the Sharks had 11 wins in 84 games that year. Right. And the Sen expansion Senators had 10 wins in 84 games. So I guess maybe that would be a comparable for this. It's Yeah. It Well, except that the difference between good and bad in those, in those leagues was right. like enormous, right? Yeah. We, we, I, 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 again, I wrote about this over the weekend. Like the thing that they don't talk about when you talk about the salary cap is uh, they, they have a floor on how much you're allowed to spend too. So in theory, you're supposed to have like three or four guys who are in like actually just plain old good NHL players. And you surround those guys with bad talent beyond that. Maybe if you're, if you're trying to tank and the Sharks do have a couple of good players, I would say like guys I would want on my team for sure. Um, but man, the, Everybody said going into the year, this defense is like, you can't believe how bad it is. Oh, and poor Mark Edward Vlasic. I mean, not that he's doing anything to, to help his own cause, but considering the career he had and how lofty his standards were at one point, mm -hmm. watching the, this run out is, is kind of sad. Uh, Mark asked kind of along these lines after staying up past 1 a.m. Eastern last night, watching the Sharks with morbid curiosity. If you were a GM, what would you do? What players do you target via trade or upcoming free agency? Do you focus on draft capital or prospects? Is there anything to do in the short term? The answer is no, right? And I think yeah. because they also have so much dead money on the books the next couple of years as well. They do. They're almost just incentivized to just ride this out because even if they wanted to all of a sudden acquire good players and be competent, it would be tough because they have like 10 to 15 million in, in cap commitments that aren't on their team are not helping them this season so yeah i i would be i would be walking up to uh logan couture and, and thomas hurdle and being like you want to trade you want to wave that no trade how's that sound Th that sound good to you you know like you know, do you want to be on this team i bet you don't and they're going no I, I definitely don't you know that that would be that would be my my steps like one and two for sure it is just get even worse like whatever i mean i don't it, think it's possible I think I think you're probably, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. make the roster even worse. Let's put it that way. I, I'm trading uh, Anthony Duclair. I'm trading Mike Hoffman if I can. You know, like I, I don't know how much uh, they have in terms of uh, uh, guys that guys they're retaining salary on. Oh, Burns and Carlson, I guess, would be the yeah. two. And so they have one more retained salary transaction. Mm -hmm. 
hell, you know, there, there's a couple of guys I, I'd be happy to retain salary on for, for the near future, you know? So, like you said, there, there's, there's no pulling out of this. And I think that's frankly a little bit by design. Uh, I guess the shame of it, though, is that they didn't do this last year, right? Like, totally. They just, the fact that they went through 40, 50 games with Timo Meyer and Carlson and then all season with Carlson. Like, I get that it gave people a reason to watch Sharks games and go to the rink and all that because Carlson was having this historic season. And I guess maybe they really had to wait till the offseason to facilitate a trade. But um, I just would have liked to be this bad in the Connor Bedard season as well. Now, Macklin Celebrini is, is quite a nice consolation prize here. And they got Will Smith last year, who's a really good prospect as well, certainly. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I just would have loved to be the worst team in both the Bedard and Celebrini seasons and try to maximize my odds of getting both because this is going to be a long haul. I guess the the question is here, we, we got another one about like, I'm sure if you're Will Smith, like it, it's cool to come play in the NHL, right? It's a dream. You make a lot of money. That's fun. It's all well and good, but it's like, do you want to be stepping into this type of situation? Like you're almost just like, yeah, you should just stay in college and stay enjoy in it college. as long as you can, right? Have like fun. what's yeah. the, what's the rush if you're going to be just getting absolutely smacked around on a nightly basis, the way the sharks are this year. And like, that's not a great intro into the league. So I don't know. Do you want to talk a little bit about Celebrini? You're going to go see him today. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, he's the, the the crown jewel and kind of the the light at the end of the tunnel for whatever the shark season is. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I I saw him this past Saturday. They, the BU came out to UMass, and I live near UMass, so uh, I, I made the I made the trek. And um, boy, this kid, he can, he can shoot the puck really, really, really hard. Uh, there, there were, uh, he scored two goals in the game. I saw he now currently leads the country in goals. Uh, and this is a kid who won't, won't be 18 until June. He, he's playing the entire season as a 17 year old. I have no recollection of any kid ever doing that, um, in college hockey. Uh, the both, well, okay. Definitely the first goal. I think it was a four on four, maybe a power play goal. Um, you were just like, well, he's going to score on this shit. Like you could, everything was just happening in such a way that you were like dead on convinced. And so they get the puck to him and he shoots it as hard as I've ever seen anybody shoot it. And he misses the net. B recovers it behind the goal, cycles it back around second time. It was just like, well, he's not going to miss twice. Not with that shot. And yeah, just teleports it into the net so effortlessly. And then the second goal he scored, uh, which forced overtime. He uh, he just like went around a couple of guys and had absolutely no angle and put it in the goal, uh, like through three bodies. And it's what it was just one of those goals where it's like any other player on the ice, any other player I've seen this season might have attempted that shot. Nobody would have scored except Macklin Celebrity. Like this kid is just such an obviously special talent, and he's you know. He, he's playing against guys who are like five, six, seven, eight years older than him. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's awesome. I'm excited to watch more of them. And, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of fan bases that are, uh, eagerly following him this season. And the Sharks are, are atop that list. All right. Uh, that was a nice little scouting report there from, uh, from the college guy, Ryan Lambert. Um, okay. Right, let's take our break here before sure. we uh, take more questions. I think it's a good time to do so. And then when we come back, we will keep rifling through your listener questions. You're listening to the Hockey PDO cast streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, we're back in the Hockey PDO cast with Ryan Lambert taking your listener questions. RL, I don't even have. There's just so many to work through here. We're going to go in order. I don't have like a actual list jotted down of which ones we want to do. So we'll, uh, we'll work our way through them. Okay. Laban on the beat asks, if you could, if you could, if you could take one team that isn't currently rebuilding and force them into a rebuild, which team do you think benefits the most and how would you do it? That's a good question. Here, you want me to give you my nomination? Yeah, sure. On my head. I think it's got to be the Calgary Flames, right? 
Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. That's that's the answer. That's the number one. And that them or Winnipeg, I guess, would be the two that I would highlight. Winnipeg just signed Connor Halbeck and Connor Halbeck and Mark Shively to just yeah. They shouldn't steals. have done it. The, the, oh, I know stupid. they shouldn't have done that. I know. I know they shouldn't have. But the Flames are two seven and one. They have a minus fifteen goal differential. Yeah, they stink. Oh boy. I think they're thirtieth in shot in shooting percentage and save percentage. And the crazy thing is I think like Markstrom's been fine because he's had a pretty rough I mean, you watch that like outdoor game and that was maybe to an extreme, but they were just like under siege the entire time against an Oilers team that's struggling themselves. And while there's offensive talent on this team, it's a lot more of what we saw last year in terms of like the process. And so mm-hmm. I don't think it's a fluke that they're struggling to turn volume into efficiency. And so, I don't know, man. Like they, while it's tough because you just have so much future money still owed to to Huberto and Kadri and Uyghur from that one yeah. summer, at least like Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, Nikita Zadorov, like Vladar, potentially Markstrom if you retain. There's enough good players here that are on movable contracts, especially a lot of those guys, like the last led home at 4.85. If you retain yeah. that, if you retain on that to move it, like pretty much any contender can just effortlessly slide that onto their cap book at the deadline without Absolutely. having to shed money the other way or completely reconfigure their roster. And so you could probably get an extra premium just for that luxury. And so, I don't know, there's enough good players there that you could trade. It just seems like barreling ahead and pretending like things are going to get better is not ideal i'm not sure if they're incentivized to do so do you do you see that noah hannafin thing in the in la Freeman's latest 32 thoughts yeah and yeah. how he turned down whatever amount of money and, and wants to put it on pause while he figures out what's going on with calgary here this season it's like oh boy i cannot uh, <laughs> i mean maybe that honestly uh is a i mean that is a blessing in disguise for calgary i think a hundred percent i like i say this all the time i, I said this a lot when like a, a few summers ago when the Oilers were like, yeah, we're just going to like get the band back together. And it's like, you guys know you were horrible last year, right? Do you, do you remember that? Uh, and they were like, yeah, we're, we're you know, we, 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 what are we going to do? We're going to let guys walk from this team. Yeah, dude, do that. That's fine. Um, and obviously, you know, the, the, the Oilers at least had the the benefit of, of McDavid and Dreisaitl, right? Like those guys are going to drag anybody kicking and screaming to a half decent season. But like, yeah, the Flames are like, we got to lock in all these guys from this team that sucks. You know, like, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, oh, were we any good last year? No, not at all. But, of course, we can't afford to lose any of the guys who are the best players on the uh, bad team. They're not the problem here. And it's like, right, but if you give all those guys big money to stay, like Lindholm, you know, and and Hannafin probably both want like eight, nine million bucks a year. And it's like, well, if you give those guys a combined, let's say, $16, 17000000 million, and you're also giving Huberto 10 and a half and Kadri 7 and Uyghur 6 and a quarter, sudden, and, and Markstrom 6, suddenly you're like, oh, I guess we don't have any money to spend, and we still stink. Isn't that weird? You know, like, it, it's it's what Winnipeg's doing. The, oh, we what, what are we going to do? Let these guys walk? But then we'll barely make the playoffs. Or we won't barely make the playoffs. We just straight up won't do it. And it's like, I don't know. Again, it, we we talk about this all the time on on Puck Soup, but it's like, yeah, no, it, for NHL teams, it's really getting those two or maybe three home dates in the first round and, and being able to sell that to people. Um, and if this wasn't such a, a, a low revenue league relative to the uh, all the other major North American sports, I don't th- I, I don't think you'd see nearly as many teams doing what Calgary and Winnipeg are doing. And Washington, for that matter. Although, you know, that's a little different because of the Ovechkin thing. Well, yeah, Washington season is like, it, it's it's their hockey team is a front right now for Ovechkin's goal scoring. Like, yep. And, like, which is fine. And, if, probably what and if you say that, Capitals fans get insanely mad at you. And it's like, have you not watched for the last two or three years, brother? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how else to put it to you. That's what this is for. For that, I, I get it. Like last year was so miserable in Calgary, and it was very easy to just put that all at the feet of Daryl Sutter 
right? Yep. And then and then everything you heard this offseason was like the vibes were just so much better. Like players were happier. And I was like, all right, like there's enough good players here, even though they were so totally. good last year that I can see how it would work. And so I was actually willing to give them a chance. But then you watch it again and it's like there's just something missing. And even like you put Connor Zaria looked fantastic in his debut. You put him into the lineup. Like there's there's talent here, but for whatever reason, it's not adding up. And I don't think it's as simple as like, well, let's just trade away one of these guys and then everyone else will get it together. It's like, I think you just got to go full out here and get rid of everything you can. Yeah. And, and they just re-signed Backlund too. Again, they're just like, well, what are we going to do? Not let a, a 34-year-old... Uh... But that deal could have been so much worse even. For sure. Yes. But, you yeah. know, like it, it's the pursuit of... God, Blake Coleman, $4.9 million. Ugh. I just don't get the, like, what Hannafin has on his side is the fact that he's younger in terms mm-hmm. of he's going to be 27 in January. But, like, the comps of Devon Taves in terms of the price and everything, it's like, I guess they both play the defense position. Um, hey, if someone will give you that money more power to you that's great news for you you know well the staggering thing is that he turned it down which means that he's probably betting on the fact that it will still be there from someone else and he's probably right yeah well the cap's going up i don't know if you heard about this mm. so and what are and what are gm's going to do spend that money wisely please you know this is the nhl we all need to hire noah hannafin's pr manager I mean, I guess what he has working for him is that he's big and looks good in a uniform. So people talk themselves into it. I just don't. I said this last year at the deadline when I was coming up with all these fake trades for Calgary trading at Hannafin to other teams. And I was like, can someone just tell me one thing that he's really good at? And I guess he's pretty good at a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's players in this league that are good enough at enough things that it adds up to being a net positive player, right? And and he certainly is. But when you're talking about, all right, let's make an eight-year commitment into his 30s above $7 million per year on this guy, I kind of need something a bit more concrete than that, I think. Totally. Um, and so, like right now, what he's making, 4.95, that's great. Then that's perfectly, that's a nice slot for him. But all of a sudden, once you start getting into that entirely different tax bracket, I get pretty uneasy about it. So I'm very curious to see how that unfolds. But yeah, I think Calgary is the answer here. I mean, the reality is there's any number of teams that you could probably make a case for with this question. Um, but a hundred percent. Yeah. When I, when I was, when I was really struggling with this earlier, I was like, who don't, I, you know, like Pittsburgh should blow it up. Right. Like, why not? You know, but they're, they're obviously not going to. Well, at least with them, like you're you're committed totally. to yeah. Malkin and Crosby, right? And they should. It'd be I don't want to see them in a form Carlson. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean like in that case, it's like what Calgary what are they committed to what are they committed to here? I, look, the you don't have for eight in the West. Brother. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I got a bunch of questions about the Devils and their power okay. play. And how they're playing. And I'll say this. I think it's remarkable and probably under talked about at this point that they are six two and one while being twenty-six in team save percentage and twenty-third in five on five goal scoring. Yeah. Like for them to have banked this many wins, uh, and you know, their top players are, are are playing well and producing, and a lot of that is why the power play has been so electric. But I would imagine that regardless of your mileage of if you take Vanacek and Akira Schmid, just based on the skater talent, there's going to be an environment there for them to not finish as 26th in team's A percentage, and certainly they will not finish the year 23rd in 5 on 5 goal scoring. And so the power play is going to regress a bit, and that's going to kind of balance itself out. But the fact that this team's won six of its first nine games while having these types of metrics under the hood is uh, is pretty remarkable, and I guess a testament to just how important like having pure star power that can drag you across the finish line is in this league. Yeah, I, I think that um the point about why wow, the power play is really good. I, I look, they're they're playing well, but they're not playing as well as they did last season, I would yeah. say. And obviously it's only like 10 or 11 games, so you know, whatever. 
Um, but last season at, at, at five on five in all situations, however you want to look at it, they were one of the like two or three best teams in the league. And this year they're a little more middle of the pack. Um, and it doesn't matter because the puck's jumping in the net. I don't expect the puck to stop jumping in the net for them. Um, but you know, th- this does maybe expose a little bit of the, oh, we can just plug anyone in back there. Like you said, I, I don't think they're going to be 27th in that save percentage, uh, stat all year but what what's the what's the reasonable ceiling there it, it you know if it gets them like 15 12 something like that if they can get there by the end of the year they're going to win a ton of hockey games an absolute like unbelievable amount of them um because they are that good but you know they're it, it remains a gamble and and i think the the bigger question about goaltending is how that holds up in the playoffs mm-hmm yeah, no, certainly, and I think they'll probably explore it. I guess like after you see what Hellebuck's extension was, I can see why that wasn't a viable path for them to take. Sure. Um, but yeah, I I would imagine that will be something they'll explore, and I expect it to get better. So I'm not too worried about that at all. Um, Jonathan asks, does a coaching change fix Pittsburgh? I. So it's it's hard because you never want to say a team that uh, seems to be playing as badly as them is uh, they're they're this close to turning it around, right? But and you also don't want to get into the business of well, the deserve to win o meter will will even things out over the course of the full eighty two. But in this case, I think I think it's fair to say that they're not getting. Uh, the bounces at either end of the ice, uh, w- which we mentioned before, um, they are sixth from the bottom in uh, save percentage, which maybe you say that would have been a risk going into the season regardless. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that I, I think that they're probably too good to keep playing this badly. Yeah, I think or that's probably keep, keep getting these bad results. Yes. I, I don't think they're playing badly. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I mean, it's clearly a flawed team. Like I talked about this on yesterday's show, the, they're getting nothing from the bottom six in particular, the fourth line, despite paying it quite a bit of money. And, and it's a, that's a totally foreseeable outcome. Yes, it was last year. They changed all the names, getting the same results from it. And so that like just limits their margin for error. Like They just really can't afford totally. to have off nights on their top players. Now those guys are so good that those are few and far between, but this will happen uh, from time to time. I, I'm always uneasy because I guess it's tough to quantify coaching impact because so much of it is unknown to us and kind of happens like behind the scenes from the communication with players and interactions and all that good stuff and the preparation. But right, I feel pretty confident that Mike Sullivan's one of the better coaches in this league, despite the team's results recently. And so while I'm all for kind of mixing it up and potentially like this is by far the oldest team in the league and Mike Sullivan really wants them, like his, his whole strategy is like play aggressively fast, right? And like mm-hmm. constant pressure and pursuit and that clearly might not be an optimal way to play when you're the oldest team in the league. But he seems very persistent on that because that's his MO. And so I can see, all right, there might be a better fit out there stylistically. But I'm always like, this happened for years with Bruce Boudreaux. It was like, all right, well, you make a change and then all of a sudden you're going to downgrade a coach because it's going to be tough to find someone better than Mike Sullivan and he's going to be out of a job for minutes five minutes. hours yeah. yeah and so it's like all right what have you ultimately accomplished so making a change just for the sake of making a change is always a, a pretty risky proposition in this regard yeah i i say that all the time like okay you're gonna fire your coach or your gm or, or whoever who's better who, who who's out there who's better than mike sullivan and if you think there's anybody on the list at all and i personally if you think there is it's got to be max one name Two and I don't and I again I don't know who I would say you could even reasonably argue uh, ha, has the track record and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm with even you. leaving aside, you know, the, those two cups were actually kind of a long time ago now. They were. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Tyler asks, "Are the Rangers nasty?" The Rangers, I, you know, to me, I think the Rangers are what they have been in a lot of ways, right? Where like, are they playing well at five on five? Not really. 
does it matter because of their talent threshold in goal and on the power play? Not really. In what way, in what way is this Rangers team playing, you know, obviously there have been some stylistic changes that mm-hmm. come with a coaching change, but like, are the, are the end results of those, of those, uh, stylistic changes in any way different? I, I don't know that they are. Yeah. The defensive metrics are, are pretty good. I mean, they were starting to trend that way anyways, previously, um, They've been really good this year, and obviously when you're that stingy and then you have Igor Shesterkin, you're going to post some really good suppression yep. numbers, and that's what we've seen here. And the combination of that, as you mentioned, with an absolutely ruthlessly efficient power play is a scary combo because if those two things are clicking, like you're, you're going to generate easy goals and you're not going to give up a lot of them. You're going to win a lot of games, and that's yep. the formula they have, and that's a really good one. Um, I Again, does think- that work in the playoffs? Uh, maybe not. As we've seen, but it might. The problem is, I still think team speed is a bit of a concern. As we saw in last year's series against the Devils, and that's not going to go away. And so, I guess that's a bit of a different question. But yeah, I mean, they're playing well. The fact that Mika Zibanejad has zero five-on-five goals so far this season. I mean, him and Kreider have been on the goal for on the ice for one goal so far, and they're still just banking these games because of how good the defense and goaltending and power play is. That's encouraging. So, yeah, like you talk about how like a team like Pittsburgh, they have so little margin for error. This Rangers team has so much margin for error because That's exactly they can right. not have the puck and have a bad game and still win 3-2 or 2-1 with timely saves and goals. And so, yeah, in that sense, it's the same as it ever was, I guess. Uh, and you'll probably appreciate this one. I mean, Artemi Panarin uh, shaves the head and all of a sudden, look entirely different man. I mean team play bald he's been uh he's been looking very aerodynamic out there um Mm, and so uh i guess like that that would be a potential change here right like if you're actually going to get meaningful 515 goal scoring from that combination of him lafreniere and i know uh hito got hurt last night but giving them that line and that has been a giant cry to finally get going some of our questions previously were all right like the depth scoring and stuff like that and if you're going to get that then maybe that changes the equation a little bit and certainly pernanner's level so far this year um, is encouraging if he can keep it up. I guess moving forward, I'll I'll give you I'll give you a, a, a kind of trivia question here. There are two teams that have a worse expected goals for per sixty at five on five than the New York Rangers. Who are they? Expected goals for not yeah. not share. Okay. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks. Now you get one of them is is a slam dunk easy. One. Oh, the Sharks. Yeah, of course. The other one is the St. Louis Blues. Mm. Right, and which we all had coming into the season. It was like, oh, the the goaltending will be good, but man, they can't generate any offense. That's exactly that's right. a, uh, the the Blues take we all had heading into the year. And they're tied for fifth in uh, actual goals for per sixty at five on five with the Calgary Flames, and there are four teams below them. The Predators, Blues, Capitals, and Sharks. Mm. And you look at that group, either group as a matter of fact, you look at either group and you go, well, the Rangers are definitely better than those guys. The offense isn't there yet for them. And by expected goals, it probably shouldn't be there for them. Um, But by talent, you're like, oh, these guys, like you said, with uh, with Zibanejad, these guys are going to start putting the puck in the net at five on five. And when they do, I mean, they're already winning a ton of games, but when they do that, like you said, just increases their margin for error. And, uh, they're going to, I, you know, I, I was a little down on them, but, uh, doesn't, you know, coming into the year, it doesn't matter so far. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're, I get what you're saying. I guess with a team like the Rangers, I'm always a bit wary of like expected according to whom, and I don't know, open that whole can of worms, but it's like, I think they've clearly shown us enough at this point that I think 45% for them might be like 49 for someone else. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, and, and that speaks to just the talent gap at particular totally. positions. But yeah. yeah. Um, oh man, we got such, I wish we got this one previously. I'm just refreshing my feed here as we're talking. And we got another one about the Sharks. It was like, uh, Beast asks if the Sharks place their entire roster on waivers today. How many players would be claimed? That's uh, 
I don't know. We haven't done enough prep for that one, but that's a that's a final question to consider. I think the answer would be a startlingly low amount, pretty close to zero. Yeah, yeah. Because even like, I mean, I'm sure someone would find a way to to make it work for Thomas Hurdle, but there's just so I don't know if you could actually just absorb that money without doing anything else today. So you, I I don't know if you. I legitimately don't know if you could with Hurdle, just because it's like it's so much money, so and money. he. And he is awesome. I love Tomas Hurdle, but like, everybody's up against the cap. Chester asks, can the Canucks finish the season at a 200 PDO? They're pretty close right now. Why why couldn't they keep it up? (laughs) The stonks are going up. Um, Obviously, being facetious here, and a night like last night, uh, and I think they have two more games against the Sharks before Christmas. Why so not? Right. Those are those are awesome for uh, padding all the good old stats. Um, I will say, Demko being healthy and playing this well, and then Pedersen and Hughes to go along with Miller and Kuzmenko and and, and you go on online like it's brings us back to that question, kind of similar to what we were just talking about with the Rangers, where I probably would expect the baselines to be slightly different for them with oh absolutely now obviously this is on the extreme end and i don't think anyone would reasonably expect it to continue um but still it's um maybe i was a bit too low on them heading into the year just because last year was was such a mess and all these guys are playing at such high levels that it still is a superstar driven league and if you have this many guys at important positions playing this well you're going to win a lot of games, especially in the regular season. So that's kind of what's going on with the Sharks or with the uh, with the Canucks right now. Yeah, they're they're um, they're first in shooting percentage in the league right now, all situations, and second in save percentage. You're going to win a lot of games that way. And and th- this is this is a point I always make. Have they played anybody good in the last week? They only played the Rangers or the last two weeks, maybe you'd even say they really the old. But how many good teams would you say there are in the league right now? Like truly good that you feel actual good, very strongly about where you're like, wow, if they got smoked, I would be Bruins, pretty surprised. Devils, Vegas, Dallas, Colorado. That's five. L.A. L- oh, L.A. Sure, six. The Rangers, even then, like with Camp Talbot or Phoenix Copley and that, if I saw them lose seven one, I wouldn't be like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah, and, and the Rangers. So that's seven. Any anybody else jump to mind? Like Toronto, Toronto's not quite again. Like if if they got smoked by somebody, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Because because in part because of the goaltending and the right. depth problems that have cropped up over the last few years, um, you would normally have said Carolina, and they are back above five hundred now. But um, the way things have started for them this year, you can't really say they've earned the benefit of the doubt there. And uh, I, I guess you would say the same thing for Edmonton, where on paper, no, but in actual practice so far this year, they've been bad. So, yeah, I guess it's like five, six, seven teams, something like that. Yeah. I mean, there's 11 teams over 53% goal share this year. Yeah. There's a whole lot of them that are like... Well, you know, a lot of those... Uh, uh, the Sharks have played 10 teams. You know what I mean? So that's, that's, that's going to get you right there. At plus 24. Uh, goal How about this? I just, I just looked this up this morning. Plus 24 goal difference, minus 30 shot difference. What a team. Mm. Yeah, the Golden Knights. They're ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and, and they're just. Yeah, in terms of like off nights, right? It's just really tough because pretty much there there have to be like a flu bug going through the entire lineup because anyone can take a night off and I wouldn't really expect them to change their performance in the slightest. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they want to stand the cup with Aiden Hill in net, right? Like the, 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 the level of, uh, consistency game to game of just like, no, we're insanely good is maybe higher than I've ever seen, uh, in, in the last like 10 years. Jake asks, is Pavel Menchikov him? Uh, definitively, yes. Yeah, he's him, though. Yes. Um, Carter asks, does the Kings... I just already talked about the Kings, but does the Kings' nine-point lead over Edmonton make them favorite to finish second in, in the Pacific behind Vegas? I think pretty clearly at this point, 
it goes Vegas, LA, and then if Edmonton's going to keep playing this badly and the Canucks are going to keep playing this well, then all of a sudden it's getting very interesting beyond that. But yeah, I think those two are kind of asserting themselves just based on the results, but also the process they're using to get there. Yep. No, I I think that, uh, you know, I I recently rewatched the movie Castaway. And at the end of the movie where like Wilson's going over the waves and Tom Hanks is like, no, not Wilson. You know, like he's screaming for Wilson. It's kind of how I feel about the Edmonton Oilers, man. They have half as many points as Seattle right now. And Seattle stinks. I, I don't I don't know what else to say. Like the Oilers, I would say I, I'd st- I'm, right now I'm still thinking they're, they'll be a playoff team because they can't be this bad. But every game that passes, the the pace at which they have to play ticks up, you know, from 104.5 to 105.2 points every game they lose. And at some point, if they keep playing like this, that dog's just going to keep running away from them. You know, you can't. Yeah. I mean, they're just getting eviscerated off the rush. Like yep. I talked about them yesterday. I think the stat was rush goals for and against were 14 against and four four they were getting outscored 14 four off the rush and then they gave up another four goals off the rush i believe to dallas last night mm-hmm. and so yeah it's uh it's pretty tough to overcome that although they did have a, a spirited effort at the end there to try to come back in that one all right rl i'll let you uh plug some stuff here on the way out because i know you've got a lot of plugs to get through so i'll save you a few minutes um sure. let the listeners know where they can check you out and all that good stuff all my writings at eprinkside.com uh, I, I cover college hockey in the NHL, and so I just wrote a feature about uh, BU this past weekend. I'll probably write about North Dakota coming up uh, on Monday because they're off to an awesome start, uh, which everybody kind of expected. And uh, yeah, like th- this weekend, it'll be a clash of two of the, I don't know, four or five best teams in the country. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that, and I'll, I'll write about it on Monday. Uh, awesome. Do you, guys use, then, uh, do you guys use a Discord for, uh, for Puck Soup or anything? We do, yeah. Um, you got to sign up for the Patreon to do it. That's patreon.com slash puck soup. But yeah, we we we've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of join ups in the last little while. We're I don't I don't know how many people are on there, and I don't know how to look it up. But it's a pretty active community, and and you know it, it's for the most part pretty cool people. So I love it. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then like the puck soup podcast, you know you know where to find. Podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I don't need yeah. to tell you. And everyone listening to this already listens to that. No, the reason I brought that up is because I'm uh, I'm starting one here. I've, got, I've mentioned it a few times on the show. I've had a few people reach out. Uh, so others, I want to keep it just for people who actually listen to the show just so it can be a community that talks about the show and, and kind of has thoughtful conversations and all that, but also use it for future mailbags and stuff. So if you are interested, reach out. I'll send you an invite link and we're going to build that up. And all future mailbags like this one we did with Ryan today are going to take questions from there. So that's going to be it for today's show. RL, this was a blast. Good to have you on again this season. And thank you to everyone for listening to us. Uh, we'll be back with more of the Hockey PDO cast streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network.